I watched Young Romance from 1915. It was directed by George Milford. And I've watched a number of films for this podcast so far that I suppose you could say are rom-coms. But this is the first film I've watched that I really felt like, wow, this is a rom-com. This is like one of the early examples of that genre. I've watched romances. I've watched comedies. A lot of the comedies have had romantic elements, vice versa. But this one is more than a few funny moments or a few romantic scenes. This, it's a romantic comedy. It's built around a story where they bring two similar people who imagine they aren't at all similar together through these zany coincidences and situations. It's like Roman Holiday, but 1915 style. Except honestly, it felt more like maybe 1919 style. None of the comedies I've watched so far for the podcast have been anywhere near as nuanced or sophisticated as this. And while many advances have been made in dramas, the comedies and the romances have been lagging behind a bit. This is the first comedy that feels ahead of its time. And I'm by no means an expert of film or silent film. I've just got this podcast I'm doing for my own benefit. But I've watched enough of the romantic comedies from 1919, 1920 to really feel like this belongs more with those. There's nothing I've watched from 1915 that is remotely like this. It's light years or I guess four years ahead of its time. I also might have wondered if I didn't know going into it that George Melford directed it, if this was a Cecil B. DeMille picture, because this is exactly the sort of picture that he was making a few years later in 1919, as I keep bringing up. This this really feels like one of his movies, and he may have had an influence here. I saw that uh, the film was written by DeMille's brother, William, so maybe Cecil lent a hand, or maybe they just had similar influences or similar reasons. But you can definitely see those DeMille fingerprints on the film from the way it's paced and edited, uh, right down to the way it explores how media shapes and drives the aspirational fantasies about class mobility that the common folk have. That is sort of the driving theme of this movie, and a theme that popped up time and time again in Cecil B. DeMille's pictures later. As far as the film itself, it starts by introducing our main characters. We meet Nellie, who's played by Edith Taliaferro, and we meet Tom, played by Tom Foreman. They both work in the same department store, but they work on different floors and they don't know one another. They have no idea that each other exists, let alone works in the same store. And since it's a rom-com, the coincidences start flying, they start piling up. Uh, both of them, it turns out, read this same serialized romance adventure story that's been running in the daily paper. And after having read it, they both decide on the same day they're going to blow their savings and spend a week pretending to be rich. Tom decides he's going to live like a swell, even if it costs him his life savings. And Nellie decides she's going to do likewise. She's going to be like a rich, rich heiress. And they both see the same advertisement in the paper that touts a nearby coastal hotel as being a destination for wealthy vacationers. It sort of advertises itself as this is where the rich people go. So they both plan to head to the coast the following week. 
Nellie has had this kind of bad encounter with a rude, young, rich woman at the store. And just as a joke, she adopts that woman's name. She figures that way, if, you know, people see the name if they happen to know that that's a wealthy family that maybe it'll get her some some points. But mostly I think she does it just to kind of, you know, get revenge on this woman or even if nothing, it's not going to affect the woman in any way. So she checks into the hotel. She has this whole thing where she sends herself a telegram at the hotel from the family to make it obvious that she's definitely this young heiress. Tom, on the other hand, either by accident or to save money, it's not clear, he ends up sort of staying in this rundown boarding house right next to the hotel. And so he's not directly in the hotel. But they encounter one another. First, he finds her on the beach and she's kind of got caught by the tide. He rescues her and they start to have these little encounters and they start falling for each other. But then things start to get a little chaotic. It starts when some of the actual, the woman whose name Nellie is using, friends of her family check in. They recognize her number in the registry. They call and say, oh, it's us. We're here. Come down and say hi. She tries to sneak out, but they see her. But they don't really actually see her because the hotel clerk, I think, calls their attention to it. Turns out they haven't seen her since she was a little girl. So they still think she's who she claims to be. So she kind of takes advantage of that. She gets invited to a party by them. And so she's still, her cover's not blown. And then things get kind of bad, though, because when they're at that party, this newspaper report comes out that the woman Nellie's impersonating just inherited, I think, half a million dollars or some something that was a lot of money back then, a big fortune. And so now everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're rich. And she's unsure what to do. There's this guy we've been seeing lurking around the hotel. He's also staying at the boarding house, so he's clearly not wealthy. He calls himself the Count, but he's some kind of a grifter. He catches wind of this and he kidnaps Nellie. And he takes her on this boat kind of like a whole day's sail out to this deserted island, strands her there, but he gives her like a tent and some food. He's not like killing her. He's just kind of tucking her away there. And he says, write me a check for $10,000 or you're never leaving the island. So she signs this check knowing full well that it's not going to be cash, but what can she do? She signs it. Then he's like, you're staying here until it gets cash. And he takes off. So now she's stuck on the island. But Tom has kind of learned of this plot he catches the fake Count's buddy, who the Count has kind of double-crossed already, gets him to go to the island. He rescues Nellie. Meanwhile, the Count is arrested trying to cash this obviously fake check. So that situation worked out. And then the end of the week comes. Tom and Nellie have fallen in love, but neither feels that he or she deserves the other person. And so they kind of dejectedly part ways without confessing the truth. And then Monday comes, the whole movie's, it's been like, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so finally Monday morning, they're both back at work, they're both miserable, they both regret the whole thing, they tell their friends, ah, oh, it was a big mistake, I never should have done it. Tom gets some good news, though, he's been promoted to a new department on a different floor of the, ho the, of the store, the department store, and of course, another coincidence, it's Nellie's department. And so he's organizing something. She looks, he looks like, oh my God, it's you. And they realize, oh, how funny. We both were pretending. But now they have permission to fall in love. So the film ends as they go on this date that mirrors this kind of awkward date they had while they were pretending to be rich, where Tom was like secretly counting the pennies in his pocket to see if he could afford this lavish dinner. But this time it's a better date. 
and they can be themselves and that's it presumably they fall in love and live happily ever after as all good rom-coms end with that presumption and i enjoyed i enjoyed this a lot i thought this was a great film it's not epic in scope it doesn't address any societal ills but it definitely entertains and if you i i assume most people who actually listen to these podcasts maybe are not silent i'm not even sure why anyone listens to me here but if you like or want to watch silent films and you enjoy light-hearted romantic comedies give this one a try i i think even despite being silent and black and white and old it still holds up and i think you might like it i saw it on a dvd it also contains a film i'll be watching pretty soon so it's double bang for the buck. Hopefully the regeneration is going to be as good as Young Romance. Uh, but either way, the DVD was already worth it. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. These are all public domain movies that I'm watching at this stage in the podcast. So look for Young Romance from 1915 and give it a try. Next, I'm going to watch The Birth of a Nation from 1915, directed by D.W. Griffith. <laughs> 